The Law School of America Intrusion on seclusion is one of the four privacy torts created under U.S. common law. Intrusion on seclusion is commonly thought to be the bread-and-butter claim for an invasion of privacy. Seclusion is defined as the state of being private and away from people. Elements The elements of an intrusion on seclusion claim are The defendant intentionally intruded upon the plaintiff's seclusion or private concerns. The intrusion would be highly offensive to a reasonable person. The intrusion caused the plaintiff anguish and suffering. There is no requirement that the defendant disclosed any facts about the plaintiff, as in a public disclosure claim. Liability attaches to the intrusion itself. Intent. Someone commits an intentional intrusion only if he believes, or is substantially certain, that he lacks the necessary legal or personal permission to commit the intrusive act. For example, the Veterans Administration did not intrude on a patient's seclusion when it believed that it had the patient's consent to disclose his medical records. The intent element is subjective, based on what the defendant actually knew or believed about whether it had consent or legal permission, whereas the offensiveness element is judged under an objective standard, based on whether a reasonable person would consider the intrusion to be highly offensive. Seclusion. In order to intrude on someone's seclusion, the person must have a legitimate expectation of privacy in the physical place or personal affairs intruded upon. To be successful, a plaintiff must show the defendant penetrated some zone of physical or sensory privacy or obtained unwanted access to data in which the plaintiff had an objectively reasonable expectation of seclusion or solitude in the place, conversation or data source. For example, a delicatessen employee told co-workers that she had a staph infection. The co-workers then informed their manager, who contacted the employee's doctor to determine if she actually had a staph infection, because employees in Arkansas with a communicable disease are forbidden from working in the food preparation industry. The employee with the staph infection sued her employer, the deli, for intruding on her private affairs. The court held that the deli manager had not intruded upon the worker's private affairs because the worker had made her staff infection public by telling her two co-workers about it. The court said. When Fletcher learned that she had a staff infection, she informed two co-workers of her condition. Fletcher's revelation of private information to co-workers eliminated Fletcher's expectation of privacy by making what was formerly private a topic of office conversation. Offensiveness. In determining whether an intrusion is objectively highly offensive, a court is supposed to examine all the circumstances of an intrusion, including the motives or justification of the intruder. Websites Data Collection A website may commit a highly offensive act by collecting information from website visitors using duplicitous tactics. A website that violates its own privacy policy does not automatically commit a highly offensive act. But the Third Circuit Court of Appeals has held that Viacom's data collection on the Nickelodeon website was highly offensive because the privacy policy may have deceptively caused parents to allow their young children to use Nick.com, thinking it was not collecting their personal information. The Press The First Amendment does not immunize the press from torts or crimes committed in an effort to gather news. But the press is given more latitude to intrude on seclusion to gather important information, So many actions that would be considered highly offensive if performed by a private citizen may not be considered offensive if performed by a journalist in the pursuit of a socially or politically important story. The tort of breach of confidence is, in United States law, a common law tort that protects private information that is conveyed in confidence. A claim for breach of confidence typically requires the information to be of a confidential nature, which was communicated in confidence, and was disclosed to the detriment of the claimant. 
Establishing a breach of confidentiality depends on proving the existence and breach of a duty of confidentiality. Courts in the U.S. look at the nature of the relationship between the parties. Most commonly, breach of confidentiality applies to the patient-physician relationship, but it can also apply to relationships involving banks, hospitals, and insurance companies and many others. There is no tort of breach of confidence in other common law jurisdictions such as the United Kingdom or Australia, however, there is an equitable doctrine of breach of confidence. An abusive process is the unjustified or unreasonable use of legal proceedings or process to further a cause of action by an applicant or plaintiff in an action. Traditionally, it is a claim made by the respondent or defendant that the other party is misusing or perverting regularly issued court processes, civil or criminal, not justified by the underlying legal action. In common law it is classified as a tort distinct from the intentional tort of malicious prosecution. It is a tort that involves misuse of the public right of access to the courts. In the United States it may be described as a legal process being commenced to gain an unfair litigation advantage. The elements of a valid cause of action for abuse of process in most common law jurisdictions are as follows. 1. The existence of an ulterior purpose or motive underlying the use of process, and 2. Some act in the use of the legal process not proper in the regular prosecution of the proceedings. Abusive process can be distinguished from malicious prosecution, in that abusive process typically does not require proof of malice, lack of probable cause in procuring issuance of the process, or a termination favorable to the plaintiff, all of which are essential to a claim of malicious prosecution. Process, as used in this context, includes not only the service of process, for example, an official summons or other notice issued from a court, but means any method used to acquire jurisdiction over a person or specific property that is issued under the official seal of a court. Typically, the person who abuses the process is interested only in accomplishing some improper purpose that is collateral to the proper object of the process and that offends justice, such as an unjustified arrest or an unfounded criminal prosecution. Subpoenas to testify, attachments of property, executions on property, garnishments, and other provisional remedies are among the types of process considered to be capable of abuse. Principle. In the case of Hawaii Chiming v. The Queen, PC August 5, 1991 abusive process was defined as something so unfair and wrong that the court should not allow a prosecutor to proceed with what is in all other respects a regular proceeding. An abusive process might occur where the defendant would not receive a fair trial and or it would be unfair for the defendant to be tried. The standard of proof is the balance of probabilities. The principles which led to a finding of an abusive process in the UK were stated in Johnson v. Gorewood and Company by Lord Bingham. The underlying public interest is that there should be finality in litigation and that a party should not be twice vexed in the same matter. This public interest is reinforced by the current emphasis on efficiency and economy in the conduct of litigation, in the interests of the parties and the public as a whole. The bringing of a claim or the raising of a defense in later proceedings may, without more, amount to abuse if the court is satisfied, the onus being on the party alleging abuse, that the claim or defense should have been raised in the earlier proceedings if it was to be raised at all. I would not accept that it is necessary, before abuse may be found, to identify any additional elements such as a collateral attack on a previous decision or some dishonesty, but where those elements are present the later proceedings will be much more obviously abusive, and there will rarely be a finding of abuse unless the later proceeding involves what the court regards as unjust harassment of a party. It is, however, wrong to hold that because a matter could have been raised in earlier proceedings it should have been, 
so as to render the raising of it in later proceedings necessarily abusive. That is to adopt too dogmatic an approach to what should in my opinion be abroad, merits-based judgment which takes account of the public and private interests involved and also takes account of all the facts of the case, focusing attention on the crucial question whether, in all the circumstances, a party is misusing or abusing the process of the court by seeking to raise before it the issue which could have been raised before. As one cannot comprehensively list all possible forms of abuse, so one cannot formulate any hard and fast rule to determine whether, on given facts, abuse is to be found or not, properly applied, and whatever the legitimacy of its dissent, the rule has in my view a valuable part to play in protecting the interests of justice. Distinct from malicious prosecution. A cause of action for abuse of process is similar to the action for malicious prosecution in that both actions are based on and involve the improper use of the courts and legal systems. The primary difference between the two legal actions is that malicious prosecution concerns the malicious or wrongful commencement of an action, while, on the other hand, abuse of process concerns the improper use of the legal process after process has already been issued and a suit has commenced. In abuse of process, the legal process is misused for some purpose which is considered improper under the law. Thus technically, the service of process itself, in the form of a summons, could be considered abusive process under the right circumstances, for example fraudulent or malicious manipulation of the process itself, but in malicious prosecution, the wrongful act is the actual filing of the suit itself for improper and malicious reasons. The three requirements of malice, lack of probable cause in the issuance of the process, and a termination of the prior proceeding favorable to the plaintiff, are essential elements for malicious prosecution. Most jurisdictions do not require any of these three elements in order to make out a prima facie case for abuse of process. Illustration A cause of action for abuse of process may lie in situations where a criminal proceeding is brought against a defendant for improper motives. For example, in later v. Benkowitz, a pleading was held to state a good cause of action for abuse of process when it alleged that the defendant hotel owner had threatened to have the plaintiff arrested on a warrant issued at the behest of the defendant on a charge of disorderly conduct. The allegedly improper motive was the hotel owner's underlying purpose of compelling plaintiff to pay a bill owed for plaintiff's alleged rental of a room in defendant's hotel. It was claimed that through the unlawful use of the warrant and threat of arrest, the defendant was able to obtain the sum of money allegedly owed by plaintiff. In denying the defendant's motion to dismiss, the court admonished that it was sufficient to show that a regularly issued process had been used to accomplish an improper purpose in order to set forth a cause of action for abuse of process. The fact that the plaintiff had yielded to the defendant's threat to have her arrested under the warrant did not diminish the cause of action, because it was clear that the plaintiff actually had been arrested for the purpose of compelling her to pay the cost of the room. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America